hey, you knew the greatest podcast in all of higher education would eventually be having some Gavin. Heck, half the stuff we've discussed so far is going down over there at the newly renovated Gavin Engineering Research Laboratory, the same building 1959 textile management graduate Charles Gavin used to bootstrap himself up from an average Georgia vocational schooler into a chemical industry titan able to give back to his alma mater more than most could ever dream. And yes, that's textile, not textile. And if you've got a problem with that, you can go straight to... Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. Oh. 1.21 What the hell is this you <laughs> You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Hello once again, everyone. It is I, Jeremy Henderson, co-host of Hashtag Getting, the Hashtag Getting podcast, brought to you by the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering, with me, as always, Austin Phillips, Assistant Director of the Office of Communications. God, so hard every time. You get it. You're getting Office it. of Communications and the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Marcus Klutz with us on the keys, producer and director. And uh, today, we are joined... Proud to be joined, honored to be joined by, there I go again, joined with, joined by. Again, by po- podcast, no grammar lessons. <laughs> Charles Gavin is here with us today. I want to get one thing out of the way real quick. Now, Austin and Marcus say it's textile. Now, I, I say textile. <laughs> Don't you throw me now who's, the bus. Now, who's right? <laughs> He's trying to play you. Chris Roberts will tell you. We've been through this a number of times. And uh, Chris is so on edge when I'm in the gr- in a group and he's introducing and use a word. He'll look at me with his eyes and he'll say textile. Textile. Otherwise, he says it like a damn Yankee, textile. <laughs> that was what I went into Jeremy, and I told Jeremy. He he said something, and Jeremy said, so is the, uh, text, uh, is the textile bill? And I said, it's textile. I said, he'll correct you as soon as we get in there, so make sure you get that right. I had a professor from Texas A&M, oh, probably about 6'4". His hands probably were like this. Right. And one day, early in some uh, quarter back in our days, the word textile was used. He hit the podium with his fist, and he said, I will have them Yankees in my class. <laughs> I've never forgotten since that day. And every time I hear the word textile, I can see his face. And was that like the first day of class or something? I mean, was that it early was on? Very early. And if it wasn't the first day, it was very early. <laughs> Charles, just talk about your your time here at Auburn. Uh, your textile management graduate, um, you know that that industry really drove the economy uh, in this state, in this region for for decades. You know, nearly a century. You know, talk about your decision first. Why Auburn? Why you came to Auburn, and then and then why you chose to go into that field? Well, I chose to go in that field because it's the only way that I could have come to college. I had gone to a vocational high school. Jordan Vocational High School in Columbus, and um, I piddled around and not done much. And very late in my junior year, I truly had a meeting like Paul did on the road to Damascus. And I was told I had just put my books in my locker and started to walk home. And this voice came to me, 
And he told me to go back to my locker and get my books. And it said, if you want to get out of the slums, you're going to have to do more than what you're doing now. And um, so I went back, and late in my junior year, I turned around. My senior year, I liked one credit, and that was English. I could have gone to English class at 8 o'clock and then gone to work, which is what Jordan taught us to do. But uh, I decided that uh, I wanted to get out of the slums. And so I took my 8 o'clock English. Then I had geometry. And it was real difficult to get because I hadn't had an algebra class since I was a freshman. But there was a uh, an advanced math class that was open. And long story short, I got permission to go into that class. And then I took chemistry, which is the one thing that changed my whole life. But those two math classes and my chemistry gave me the foundation to get into Auburn. And, um, of course, I had my engineering, drawing, and other things. But uh, that, between the two math courses and chemistry, uh, I didn't have any problem competing when I got here. Now, why did uh, you come? Why, why Auburn? I mean, other than the obvious. <laughs> um, it, well, as I, as I said, I was trying to get out of the slums. I had no money. Uh, tuition was $45 then. And out-of-state fee, being in Georgia, was 45 So $90, I didn't have either one. But I won a two-year scholarship and a job. And I made the decision real early. If I ever got to where I could, I would give scholarships back. And so it was 1997, that I think that's the correct year, somewhere right near that, that, that I called Auburn. Dr. Uh, Bill Walsh was uh, leading the, the textile program at that time, and I told him I wanted to start a scholarship, and I was going to send him 50K. And um, so I did. A couple of days later, he called me, and he said, Charles said, I've had a lot of people call and tell me they were going to do something. But you did it. Hmm. He said, I'll be honest with you, I didn't believe you. <laughs> but um, that was the first money I put up for scholarships. But back in uh, the early, um, late 60s, I belonged to the American Association of Texas Chemists, which I joined here in Auburn as a student. And we worked up a deal so that we supported a scholarship to Auburn and to Georgia Tech. And I still do those today. So I don't know how many hundred students directly or indirectly that I've worked with in addition to my own. But um, I was part of a scholarship that was mainly supported by the textile money from the Valley. And when we closed that out, about the time the building program started here, sometime around 203 or 4, uh, when the Tuxla mills were really gone, uh, we had a local section at that time of 760 people, so we had to draw from that. But um, as we closed that foundation down, we gave Auburn a million, almost a million one. And so then as I moved up in the AATCC group, I became president and I was telling someone just a few minutes ago, they were asking me about it. Today, a week ago, 
I sat on the phone in a board meeting. I wasn't able to attend. And I had put up $10,000 to start this foundation, 10000 And everybody said, you know, the mills are closed, all of this. You're not going to be able to do it. We celebrated uh, Tuesday. We gave 17 scholarships last year. We'll give 22 this year, and we had a million five hundred and sixty thousand and some odd dollars in the bank. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Twenty twenty two years later, I mean, like you said, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of students have, have benefited from your generosity. It, I know you're so passionate about that. Uh, in addition, you have professorships. Uh, Bruce Tatterchuk, you know, one of our most accomplished professors in chemical engineering. Uh, as my, we, and at, today, one of my best friends. Yes, sir, and a good man. Good hunter, too. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. Good, good hunter. <laughs> uh, we talked about the Gavin, Gavin Classroom overlooks what now is the most beautiful place on this campus. Uh, you, you and uh, you and Carol Ann, uh, the money you put in, the dedication you put in to renovate the textile building uh, that's now just a showpiece for this campus. Uh, but then the plinth, that will be Carol Ann's garden. Um, we, we walked it this morning. Just, just talk about uh, w- w- walking that whole space and how it's changed. And it- when I looked at it in September when we dedicated the Gavin building, it looked so far. The distance between the Gavin and the Brown Coble building Look this wide, and yet this morning it's this. But the beauty, I stood in the brown building, which is absolutely beyond, beyond. And I looked over and I told Chris, I said, you know, I was so proud the day that we dedicated the Gavin building. But I said, looking over this morning, seeing the brown and seeing what the garden's going to look like and looking at the building, I said, this is my proudest moment I've ever had in my life that's so wonderful so, so. well and, and, and two- it just my my statement has always been you know it's not what you where you start it's where you finish and you know i'm not through yet <laughs> amen oh, amen God. well and as, as we talked and chris said this this morning um you know brown copal is really going to change uh, our students because it, it's going to serve them from the time before they even get here when we're recruiting them all the way till we're trying to put them in jobs, co-ops, internships. But like Chris said, none of this would have happened if you hadn't had the belief and started this whole thing. Well, he uh, does give me credit as being the domino, the first domino to fall. That's a, and, and, and as we joked, you know, I think we all had classes in those shop buildings. Oh, and terrible. Thank you very much for, for <laughs> ridding us of that eyesore <laughs> now. Uh, and and the, these kids today, they'll never know how, how wonderful they have it uh, from, from the old L building and the and well, shop buildings. When you walk up into the garden, if you really didn't understand the elevation, you won't, really won't know what it really is until you walk over towards the, the brown building and then look down. Then you understand. My gosh. There's uh, – Another 44,000 square feet oh, yeah. under there that's in buildings and, and, and classrooms and labs. Going to open up all kind of opportunities. And I told Chris at the time, they talked about the cost. And I said, you know, it'll never be cheaper than it is right now. Never. Well, and you, you gave him a charge, too, uh, of, like we said, the, the, the textile industry powered this region for a century. That You wanted that building to serve something that is going to power this uh, economy again for another well, hundred years, and we're doing that. Not only the textile business, but the textile and the agriculture building really built this area. 
And I may have a hard time convincing kids today, maybe not. But if you take the, the science that we've learned from those two industries and the dollars that have been generated for this area, we really have been the foundation of other industries, and I'll go all the way to say to the computer industry. We, in that day, those two industries is what the engineering and the computers was. It's a backbone of this university, too, for, for a long time. What are those phone calls like when you get on the phone uh, with a you know a higher up and you start throwing those numbers around you know well it's Tuesday I feel like uh you know endowing something I mean what what is the reaction when you get you know when 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 you start talking like that Are you referring to the the, the scholarship dollars I was talking scholarship about? or you know the the buildings or anything Well I try not to talk the dollars because um, it's just not the way of, you know the the dollar number is. Is not as important to me as you know. You know, my scholarship program is what drives me. Okay, sure. And um, I don't look and see dollars there. I see, I see growth and the ability to bring in students. You know, if my life only changes one kid, everything I've done would be worth it. But I think it's going to change a lot more than that. Is there is there a student so far? that just kind of stands out in your mind when you when you think of your contributions and you're like, wow, I, I had a part in that. Well, you talk about what I think about and, and some phone calls up. Uh, the letters and cards are, are more right. meaningful. And they is a series of students, and uh, uh, there will be a lot more to come. Right. And that's the important thing. I, I can give you one example of the trickle down. Jessica Dewberry, who's Jessica Taylor now, who's our director of re- recruiting and scholarship. She was a Gavin scholar. Uh, she touches every single student that comes through here that gets a scholarship to this college, the best and the brightest. And she's been doing this for years. So your impact on her now is having an impact on every single student that comes through this college that has a scholarship. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. So some of these kids that are going to Exxon, to going Lockheed, Boeing, wherever they're going, if they had a scholarship, she touched them, and she touched them because of the contribution that you had on her. Believe me, I've done some things I wouldn't, wouldn't want kids to do. But, uh, <laughs> well, we, talk, talk about those. Yes, that's like, let's hear that But story. Uh, <laughs> um, I like to think that there will be those that will come that will do – in the additive manufacturing or the polymer uh, programs that we have here and in chem engineering, I, I strongly believe that something is going to come forth. Now, I'd like to tell you a little story. It's just come to my mind, but I told you I went to vocational high school, and we had automobile shop and wood shop, and we had electrical shop, we had machine shop. Well, I was drawn to radio, and um, our instructor was an Auburn grad, uh, E.E., and he was sharp enough that this may not sound much to you all, but back in our day, we had these walkie-walkie, uh, walkie-talkie telephones that the police and emergency people use. 
and they would come from Atlanta, Georgia, for him to fix them. He was the only one in the state that really knew what was going on. But he explained to us one day what was going to happen in space. We could not believe what he was saying, you know. He told us about building the rockets and the platforms and going to the moon, and all these things were going to happen. Now, think about being a kid, and no one knows anything about space, and you got a guy telling you about this. Now, all of that's come true. Now we've got the Gavin building over here, and we've got the, the additive manufacturing. We've got the tie to the NASA, and I'm told now that we've got 12 colleges working on it. And what, a few weeks ago, Vice President Pence says we're going to Mars, and we're going to the moon in the next five years, and it's going to be directed from the Gavin building. Right. How about that, Ty? Oh, we had we had hundreds of additive experts from around the globe uh, that came here to Auburn. I mean, because of that building being built, being able to set up these things, uh, you know, what's going on down the road at GE, uh, all, the city of Auburn, Auburn University has become the hub of additive manufacturing. And, and like you said, it's, it's going to power us for well, Henry, decades to come. Henry Weislinger was the first teacher that ever pulled me aside and sat down and said, you know, you need to do this and this and this because you've got some talent. I didn't know I had any, <laughs> but you know, just look at the tie, Jordan. He tells us all about the space program, and now it's going to happen out of this building. It's it's amazing. You're a, uh, you and Carol Ann, and and you still are a huge uh, basketball supporter too here of Auburn. The the Had con- breakfast with Bruce Pearl this morning. Uh, oh, we want to hear thing. about that. You uh, the conference room and the basketball is even named the Carol Ann uh, Conference Room. Yes, it is. So, this season, how special was that? Watching that, and, and tell us about breakfast. What, what's Bruce's thoughts for this what upcoming you season? Yeah, that's a good one. I should say we had coffee. Bruce was uh, on a very tight schedule, and um, you guys may not know it, but uh, you know I got to see the first three games of the SEC tournament. I got hurt and uh, had to miss the other games. But as Bruce said this morning, he could feel my eye on the TV screen <laughs> watching. And, um, you know, when Bruce came here, um, he had nothing and, um, he asked me to come talk to the team and I felt like I had nothing. I hadn't, you know, and, um, I kept putting him off and, um, one day he called me and said, Charles, I know you're going to be at Auburn in the morning. And he said, uh, I want us to have breakfast at the barbecue house. And I said, the barbecue house. And he said, yeah, well, we got over there and people were just, everywhere we'd gotten our eggs and grits and we couldn't talk for every girl in there wanting a picture made and then every guy well they wanted a picture made with you no okay. what a picture made with bruce pearl well what to make a picture with I don't bruce know who pearl that and, other guy is but there, there's he looked Gavin. over bruce looked at me and he said charles said i'm sorry he said that you know that that's the way it is he said their eggs are going to be cold he said let me just get to the point he said i want to know when you come in to talk to the team and he's st- I said, well, when do you want me to come? I've been kind of busy. And he started raising his arm. And honest to goodness, even to this day, it seemed that it took him over five minutes to look at his watch, raise his arm. And he says, Charles, meet me at the gym at 2.20 and we'll talk at 2.30. I said, wait a minute, coach. You believe in being prepared. He says, Charles, 
you are prepared. He said, in this time, I I don't want you to bring a note, no notes. He said, I've got a basketball team out there with one player that's ever had any experience. He said, I'm starting from nothing. And he said, I know enough about you that you started from absolutely nothing. I want you to come talk to this team about starting from nothing. I said, well, Bruce, at least you've asked me to talk about the only subject I, I know something about. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So we, we owe the run to you. Yes. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll take it. I was about to say, as much as you supported everything around here, your support of the basketball program for me. <laughs> this has well, been so right. big. Uh, My wife loved basketball, and uh, back in our era, we used to come here to see John Mengelt. I won't beat yeah, around yeah. the bush about it. She still thinks John Mengelt probably in heaven looking down, and John Mengelt is the greatest basketball player ever. <laughs> he was just down the hall th- this week. And he could dribble that ball so fast he could dilate your eyes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm telling you the truth. Well, she had never got to meet him. And so all those years had passed by, and, and they said, Charles, uh, we've arranged for Mengout to be here, and we want Carolyn to come and meet him. At that time, she was into Alzheimer's a little bit, but she was still pretty good. And so she was so excited. And as we started down the steps to the arena, you know, the banners hanging there of Chuck Pearson and Charles Barkley and and uh, the last one there was John Mingout. The cheerleaders were down on the field, and they just finished a cheer. And if you had had it on a computer, you couldn't have done it any better. The split second that cheer started – she looked up and she saw that batter and she screamed so loud to the top of her voice, <laughs> John Mingout. And everybody turned around to see. That's how excited she was so, awesome. about meeting John Mingout. And later they had time to meet and, uh, some of the best last pitchers I have of Carolyn were with John on the football field with her. And I told John, I said, John, Caroline, I've been married all these years, and I've never worried one bit about her. But I said, I've always worried if you came along and invited her, she'd probably leave me in a heartbeat. He, he led he, in steals more than on, on the court, right? And, uh, John said, you know, I'm just delighted to know that I still have a fan out there. That's great. That's he is great. a great, great guy. Charles, thanks so much for what you've uh, done for the college, for the university. And uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us yeah, here. It's been and, great. Uh, yeah, and I, I'll say President Leith said it best whenever uh, we had the dedication for the building. You are the definition of an Auburn man. And uh, from, from these three Auburn grads, we, we thank you so much for everything that you've done for, for this college and this for, for this university that we all love. Yeah, that was a very hum- humbling statement from him, and I appreciate it very much. Well, War Eagle, Charles. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank War Eagle. You.